A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God, the word of the Lord. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior is unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel, angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, 
they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We do give glory to you, God. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of sending Jesus. Jesus, we give you thanks for coming and dwelling among us. We pray, come, Holy Spirit, and continue to lead us and guide us on this joyful day. And we pray all this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Again, thank you for being with us um, on this uh, Christmas morning. It really is a, a joy uh, to be together and to spend part of our Christmas uh, together. Uh, last year, uh, my wife, uh, Molly, uh, read a big book called Bella Tuscany uh, by Frances Mays, um, and she told me about the book, and I'm going to tell you something uh, about the book. Uh, it's about a, uh, a woman, Frances Mays, um, and uh, sort of a memoir of her time um, living in Italy and some of her experiences there um, living um, in Italy, and especially some of the cultural differences uh, she experienced and sort of things that she learned um, from um, that time. And one of the things she talks about is just how different the way Americans um, celebrate and the way Italians celebrate. Um, so she tells a story, again, which Molly recounted for me, um, where her and her husband were invited to a um, celebration of a first communion of a child. And uh, they came to the celebration. They had, ate some beautiful or some you know, wonderful, delicious food and kind of thought, okay, that's the end. And then they realized that the food that they had just eaten was just the first course of multiple courses. And more and more food continued to come out. Apparently at one point a, um, a thigh of a cow was served, um, which the author describes as being on a tray big enough to hold a human body. <laughs> um, and so that was just like the second course. And so apparently after five hours of celebration, uh, Frances Mays and her husband couldn't take it anymore. They couldn't eat anymore. They went home. Later they talked to others who told them that the party went on for six more hours. Um, so an 11-hour celebration of a child's first communion. Uh, Molly, after reading the book, was like, we have to celebrate more. Like, we Americans don't know anything about celebration, uh, which is a great application to have from a book. Celebrate more. Now, part of our faith, a part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is to be people who celebrate. So good to remember that on this Christmas morning, right? That's part of the way we live out our faith. Actually, if we are not celebrating, um, we are being disobedient to the Lord. The Lord calls us to celebration, to be people of celebration. You actually see that in our liturgy, right? I mean, when you look in the bulletin, what's the name of the person who leads the liturgy? That's the celebrant, right? You see it right there. This is a celebration, right? The end of communion, what do we say? Therefore, let us keep the feast, right? Everyone says, hallelujah, right? It is good to celebrate. And the Gospel of Luke begins, as we look at the Gospel of Luke with um, a, a series of announcements followed by celebration. So extremely important announcements are given, and then we see those who hear those announcements and hear the good news celebrating. Right? It begins with Zechariah. Right? He's a priest. He's in the temple. He's offering sacrifices to the Lord, incense to the Lord, and an angel appears to him and tells him, makes an incredible announcement that he and his wife will have a child, even though they're beyond childbearing years, even though they've been barren and never been able to have a child, that they will have a child who will be the forerunner of the Messiah. 
Zechariah doesn't believe, actually, the announcement. He has a hard time believing it first, and so he's not able to talk for a number of months um, after that. But when his son John is born, he celebrates, and he speaks out praises to the Lord, what's become known as the Benedictus. Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Then we have an announcement given to Mary, and she is told that she will be the mother of the Messiah, Right, that the child conceived in her womb is from the Holy Spirit. And Mary celebrates, right? We hear later her celebrating in her song of celebration, which we now call the Magnificat, right? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then we have this announcement that we see in our reading today. I'm in the, the Christmas story, the announcement that is given to the shepherds. And we see a similar pattern. Right, just as the angel Gabriel had to say to Zechariah and then to Mary, don't be afraid. Once again, this angel has to say to the shepherds, fear not, <clears throat> for behold, I bring you good news, a great joy that will be for all people. The announcement is given, and then there is celebration that follows. Look at verse 20. Don't miss the ending of that passage. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Right? Like Mary, like Zechariah, they praise God. Right? We don't have the, the words that they sang out, but we can imagine that they were probably very similar. Praising God for what they had seen. But there's one really interesting difference here um, from um, this announcement and the first two. Right? The angel Gabriel again makes an announcement to Mary, makes an announcement to Zechariah, and then we're just told Gabriel leaves. Right? But here, it's like the angels make the announcement and they just can't leave. It's like they can't hold back. They're like, we have to celebrate, right? We don't see the messenger celebrating the first two announcements, but this time the messengers, basically the messenger, and then joined by a whole bunch of messengers, um, all celebrate together. And those words, again, are brief, but very important words of celebration. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. They begin first to celebrate God. In a sense, their, their um, visage, right? Their, their gaze is upward. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God who is over all things, whose love and grace and power reigns over all things. Glory to God who is the ultimate authority, who has all the authority. Authority is actually a big theme in this passage. We're familiar with the Christmas story, but don't, rule, don't um, miss out how rule and reign is important, right? The birth of the Lord is proclaimed. He is the Messiah, and he is the Lord, right? That brings us back to the beginning of the passage. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, right? That time, if you were a Roman citizen, it was, a, it was assumed that you would proclaim Caesar as Lord, right? That was part of what it was to honor um, the king, was to honor him as Lord, and so we have Christ the Lord being born in this time where we see the incredible power that Caesar Augustus has. Luke tells us, right, Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that all the world should be registered. Now he's exaggerating a little bit, but really that is the world as they knew it was all called upon to be registered. You hear actually the authority, the power that Caesar Augustus has. That he can make a decree, and basically a huge part of the world at that time, at least the world that they experienced and that they knew, was affected. Right? He makes a decree, he says something in power and authority, and people's lives are changed. Right? Joseph and Mary suddenly have to travel to Bethlehem. That's the power that Caesar Augustus has. That's the authority he has. And yet we have an incredible then 
um, uh, contrast was his, his authority and the Lord's authority. For one thing, as powerful as he is, his authority pales. It's small in comparison to the Lord, in comparison to God and the highest. Whereas, whereas he, his decree forces something upon people, right? Actually makes an inconvenience for people. The Lord's decrees, right? What the Lord um, uh, enacts brings us freedom. His actually decrees bring us gifts. He offers us gifts. He has ultimate authority. He is God in the highest. And yet he pours out beautiful and powerful gifts on us. Look at our Galatians reading. Just the um, incredible gifts that the Lord and his power and his authority have given to his people. Look at verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, when God in his wisdom knew this is the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And so the gift of redemption has been given to us by the Lord who has all power and authority so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Right? The gift of adoption, of being members of the family of God has been given to us. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, the gift of the spirit of God indwelling us and actually um, uh, um, in, enhancing our praises, our hearts cry. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Right? The gift of being an heir, of receiving, again, great gifts, the promise of great gifts. This is what God in the highest has given to his people. Right? We receive these gifts as we come under his authority, as we, through faith in Christ, come under his rule. And to be under his rule is a great gift, right? To be under his authority is actually, again, to know freedom. We see that in Isaiah reading. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the authority shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What do we want in an authority over us, right? What do we want in those who have power over us, right? Wonderful Counselor, Care, Wisdom, Mighty God, power to actually make a difference, true authority, right? Everlasting Father, that they would know us. They would know us personally and care for us and nurture us. Prince of Peace, that they would bring peace. And this is what we have under the authority of Mighty God. And so the angels are right, first and foremost, to celebrate the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. But then it's as if their gaze sort of moves, right, from looking upward to the Lord to looking down at those to whom he has shown his grace, those to whom he has given his gifts, right? When we give gifts to others, we are saying to them, I value you. I'm giving you this gift, right? Not so much about the gift itself, although I want to give you something cool. I want to give you something that you'll enjoy. But I'm giving you this gift to show how important you are to me, that you matter to me. And the angels are saying, if God is all powerful, all in authority, and we are celebrating him, then we should celebrate those he gives gifts to because they clearly are valuable. If Almighty God has given them gifts, we should celebrate them. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And so they celebrate us. And they celebrate that God is pleased with his people. Right? The angels are in awe of this. That God loves his people so much he has become one of them. He has given the gift of himself. So a question I want to pose to you and encourage you to, to take to heart um, on this Christmas day is do you believe that he is well pleased with you? 
When you hear that, to those with whom he is well pleased, do you hear yourself in that? That the Lord God, glory to God in the highest, is pleased with me. Maybe some of you hear that and you say, well, you know, that's kind of a general pleasure. Like, he's pleased with people. Uh, Maybe not so much with me. But again, that's where we come back to our Galatians reading, that he has given us the spirit of adoption, that his spirit cries out through us, Abba, Father. That is intimate language. That's not a general love. That's a very specific love. I saw a post uh, this week from friends of ours who adopted a child five years ago and are celebrating the adoption of him five years ago. But that's very specific love. They are celebrating five years of having him in their family. And that is the love of the Father for you. He is well pleased with you. He's adopted you as his child. That is how pleased he is with you. Maybe you say, well, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the doubts I have. You don't know the ways that I've sinned. It's really hard to believe that the Lord is well pleased with me. And that's where you remember, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, he calls us to repentance, but he calls us to repentance because he's pleased with us. Because he loves us, he calls us to turn away from sin. But he came while we were still dead in our sins. We were people walking in darkness, and he brought his light. He didn't say, wait till you find the light, and then I'll bring some more light. No, we needed all his light. Maybe you say, I don't know, it's hard to believe God's well pleased with me when he feels so far away. Right after maybe things I've suffered in this last couple of years, after the difficulties I've been through, it's hard to believe he's well pleased with me. And that's where we remember right, the, the words of Romans, that God who did not spare his own son, will he not give us all things? Right? If he has given us his son, we trust that he is pleased with us. Right? In faith, we hold on to the promise that the Lord will continue to pour out gifts for us. It's on this Christmas, right? If, if maybe you're tempted to believe, right, that the Father has forgotten you and not remembered you, to remember that he has given the gift of his own son, that he will continue to pour out his gifts on you. So today, as you celebrate sort of the things that please you, realize that sounds a little bit like your royalty, but you are royalty. You're holy priesthood, right? And so if you say, what pleases me on this day? My, my family, what gifts, what meals, what celebrations please me? They remember the Lord is pleased with you, right? and he has um, uh, shown his pleasure to you, and that you would celebrate to be under his rule, is to know joy and freedom and peace. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you on this day, that your love really is beyond our comprehension, that you would come as one of us, Jesus, the Father, you would send your Son, the Spirit of God, you would indwell us. Our praises are actually indwelt by you. We give you thanks. And we pray again on this um, Christmas day that you would open our eyes to your authority, your power, and that you open your eyes to who we are in you. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.